coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 13th of August, 2023, of Tychicus, Onesimus, and us. Let's turn our attention to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, we are winding up this account in the book of Colossians, to the book of uh, Colossians, to the church in Colossae, and we're down to the place where uh, Paul is giving some of his final readings. Now, if you're like most people, you get down to this part and say, well, he's done talking to us. He's just going to be mentioning some names and we're done. So we're going to do something different than that. We're going to pause and look at some of these people that are mentioned here and see if we can draw some application. And the first two are Tychicus and Onesimus. And uh, let me read this in just a few short verses here, beginning in verse 7 of chapter 4. Tychicus will help, will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, and they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Now, as Paul is writing, he's writing from prison in Rome. And so as he's writing, he says, I can't really tell you all the things that are going on. But I'm going to send these men to you so that they can fill out the story about what's going on. There'd be a couple of reasons why not to write those things. First of all, uh, Paul didn't think that it was all that important uh, that People would dwell a long time on who he was because he was more interested in getting out the message. And so to write that down and saying, I'm doing this and that and the other. If you want to see that account, go to 2 Corinthians, where Paul is defending his, the faith. And in doing, he defends his call on his life and all the detractors who are speaking against Paul he answers them, and he re repeatedly says, don't, I don't want to do this, but i got to do it. Why? Not because I'm here to defend myself, but in attacking me, you're attacking the gospel. And I want to defend the gospel. And so I will speak on my own behalf, even though it's repugnant to me, I want to do it so that you see the value of the gospel I shared with you, and that message is not detracted from. So he's sending two people. He's going to mention some more in the rest of, the, in the rest of this chapter, but I've titled the message, Tychicus, Onesimus, and Us. So we're going to look at these two men and what they bring to the table, and then also reflect on our, our uh, part in this. 
I would say, first of all, that we're dealing with Holy Scripture here. And God didn't think it inappropriate to mention some people by name. You know, sometimes we have a feeling that I am not even a small cog in this wheel. I don't really have a big part to play. I don't have a lot to do with how things go in the grand scheme of things. I'm just insignificant. And one of the reasons for pausing and talking about some of these names is so you can see that God is paying attention to each one of us. And he mentions some by name here so that we can see ourselves in the same kind of roles, doing the same kind of things, and God is paying attention to them. The first one is Tychicus. His name actually means fortunate. His name means fortunate. So Paul certainly addresses Tychicus and says, we are blessed to have Tychicus a part of those who minister with us. I've given you several passages there in your notes so that you can look them up later. Now, sometimes we run across a name, and we may do that as we can conclude this book, that are only mentioned by name in passing. And then we don't have a lot of details on them. But Tychicus, we see him show up in, in this book, and in the book of Acts, in the book of Ephesians, in the book of 2 Timothy, and the book of Titus. He is actively involved in ministry. Paul has used him alongside of himself and then also as a person that he can send out who rep would represent Paul in the ministry in different locales. Uh, we know that he is sent to Ephesus. We know that in this book he is being sent to Colossae to minister to the church there. And we see him mentioned several times with some attributes that I think are valuable for us to identify. When he is sent, there, as I said, some things that are said about these men and their relationship with the Lord. And the cool thing is these two guys are traveling together, Tychicus and Onesimus. And the reason I say it's cool is when we find out a little bit about who each one is, you go, this is a strange group of people to be traveling together. So we will look at first Tychicus. Tychicus apparently was a person who, as we said, served with Paul in the ministry, traveling around with Paul. Paul had an entourage most of the time as he did ministry. Very, very infrequently did Paul just go somewhere and be by himself and do ministry. He had people around him. Part of it was for the purpose of evangelism, that he would incorporate these people in the, in the sharing of the gospel, sharing of the ministry, the development of disciples, they would be part of that group. And so we want to see a little bit about 
Tychicus and how Paul describes them and maybe make some application to ourselves. So the first principle that I give you is the common critical factor in relationships, and we're speaking specifically of Tychicus and Paul and, and others in Paul's entourage like Timothy and Luke. It says the critical factor in relationships is the quality of our walk with the Lord. The reason we would say the critical factor is because sooner or later, when people work together, you're going to have friction. It's, it's a natural thing. How many gets along with everybody and everybody sees it your way? No. They should, but they won't, right? They won't see it your way. They have their own perspective on things. And what happens when you share your perspective, they share their perspective, and you go, who adjudicates this? Who, who decides which way we should go and what is right and how those things? And so I put down here, the common critical factor in relationships is the quality of our walk with the Lord. The critical aspect is that there is another person in this relationship that we can appeal to. If any of us would be working together and we have disagreements, who's the arbitrator? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way it should be. Because he's the one that's going to speak truth into our lives. He's the one that's ultimately going to say, this is valuable, this is not so valuable. So let's look at some of the qualities as Paul uses words and phrases to describe Tychicus. And many of these same um, phrases are used to describe um, Onesimus as well. The first one is beloved brother. Beloved brother. That phrase is used several times, not even just in the passages here, but in other references to other people. Um, I give you the example of 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth and talking about uh, the nature of the resurrection and and then in his encouragement to those who are reading this epistle. And he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And here we have a couple words that should be familiar to us. First, the idea of beloved is where we get the specific word that's used in the New Testament over and over again, almost the exclusive word of Christians, because it hadn't been developed other outside of the Bible, and that's the word agape. He's a person who loves willfully. 
a person who desires to invest in others. And he says, Tychicus is such a person. He is a person, when he's around, you will find him investing in your life. He's a beloved brother. He's a person who's going to look out for your interests as he does for mine. And that way, and that way he's treasured by me, as Paul is writing to the church here. He's beloved by me, and I desire to send him to you so he can have that same kind of impact on you. He also describes him as a faithful minister. And again, we have a couple words here that are used in the Greek that we are familiar with. One is the word pistos, having to do with faith. He is a person who operates by faith, and he is faithful. Somebody you can count on. And then he says minister. The word minister is the same word that we find in Acts chapter 6 when it talks about the church needing some people to serve and they pick some, we use the term deacons, Paul uses the same word here. He says these are people who are servers and he describes uh, Tychicus this way. He is a faithful minister, somebody who is there to serve and you can count on him. You can count on him. The term is also used of Epaphroditus in Colossians earlier on in this book. We get to the next word that is used in this passage and in Ephesians, and he says that that uh, Tychicus is also a fellow servant. And here the Greeks love to put two uh, parts of words together to make a new word. He's a with servant, a person who is a slave to Jesus Christ, and he's in the trenches with me. He's a fellow servant, a with servant. In other words, if I turn and I look to see who's beside me, who's serving, there's Tychicus. I see him. If I turn this way, I'm going to see either Tychicus or someone like him because they're right there in the ministry with me. Remember, Paul is locked up. So what does it tell us about Tychicus? It tells us that he was willing to brave whatever Rome might do to him to align himself with Paul. Is he bringing stuff to Paul so Paul can be sustained? That's the picture. Tychicus is right in the trenches with me, serving He says, these things, these things are descriptive of Tychicus. And the question that came to mind as I was thinking about these 
phrases that are used in Tychicus. First of all, it doesn't do, it isn't a stretch by any imagination to think they should be used of us. We should be these kind of people. We ought to be fellow servants. We ought to be in the trenches with others. We ought to be faithful ministers. We ought to be people who are beloved brothers. And then he says, I'm sending Tychicus for a purpose. And in Colossians here, he says, he says, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. He says, I'm gonna, I have two jobs I've commissioned Tychicus with. He says, one is to give an accurate report of what's going on here with me in prison. And it struck me as I was thinking about this passage and Paul commissioning Tychicus to give them insight into what was going on, how reliable Tychicus would have to be. Who would you trust to give an accurate report about you to somebody else. And would you be a person that somebody would entrust their reputation to to share with somebody else? In other words, you would have to be a person who says, I want to give an accurate report not from my perspective, but an accurate report of how things are really going. So Tychicus would be responsible for not only saying, this is how things are, but to do it with the same kind of passion that Paul would be giving to them if he was there. He says, I'm sending Tychicus to, to be my representative among you so that you can know how things are going. And I got to thinking, well, who would trust me with their name and their reputation? Would I be a person like Tychicus that someone would turn to and say, I want you to give an accurate report. I want you to tell it like it is. And I'm trusting you. Because I won't be there to say, no, 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 that isn't it. That isn't quite right. But someone to give an accurate report. Tychicus was that person for Paul. And then he says, while I'm in prison, I want you uh, to hear from him that he may encourage your heart. And the idea of encouragement is, is a word that we're familiar with. We probably have seen it on the football field. 
more than likely than any other place. And that is the word uh, parakaleo, someone who is called alongside. And the example is a person, like on a football field, who's, who's maybe blindsided by a tackle or whatever, and he's knocked to the ground and he's having a hard time getting up. And all the guys who are, who are uh, caregivers come running out to see how that person is doing. But then in order for him to get back to the sidelines, a couple of his fellow players will help pick him up and put his, their arms around him and put their arm over their shoulder and they will help get him to the sidelines. That is the picture of Paracaleo. Someone who's going to come alongside and help bury you up. It is, a, it is a word that's used to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. He's a paraclete, one who comes alongside and lifts us up and encourages our heart. And he says, well, he's going to give you an accurate report. That's part of what uh, Tychicus is going to do. I said, I don't want you to be discouraged by the fact that I'm in prison. Why? He says, earlier on in here, he says that I want to be still representing the Lord where I am. So I don't want you to be discouraged that I'm in prison. In fact, if you go to the book of Philippians, Paul talks about the same theme in the first chapter, and he says, I'm in prison. It says, and some hoping to add affliction to my bonds are outside preaching the gospel so that Rome would get upset with me and add affliction to me because they've got me. And he says, I don't care. Why? It says, because these people outside hoping to add affliction to me are getting out the word and people are getting saved. So the Lord is turning this whole thing around and he's bringing himself glory by even those people who would speak against me. And Paul comes along here now as he's speaking to the church at Colossae and he says, so I'm sending Tychicus to you so that your heart is encouraged. Don't be discouraged by what's happening to me. Be encouraged by the fact that the Lord has not let me go. The Lord is watching over me. The Lord is caring for me. And the gospel is still getting out. They have not been able to thwart it. They've been not able to stop it. And the ministry continues on. So be encouraged and be about it yourself. <laughs> and so Paul speaks to the church at Colossae. What we know about Tychicus is that Tychicus moved around in the Roman world under the direction of Paul oftentimes, being sent on different missions to different cities to do much the same thing, to share the good news, to encourage their hearts, and to build them up. But who was he traveling with? He was traveling with Onesimus. 
The second point in my, my message here is our accountability to the Lord is a chief factor in making us trustworthy. Tychicus was trustworthy because he was accountable to the Lord. Not just to Paul, but to the Lord. When we recognize that the Lord is the one who is overseeing our lives and overseeing our ministry, then we become more and more trustworthy as we turn to him for leading and guiding. But who is this last person? Who, who is Onesimus? Not mentioned very often in scripture, but actually we find him in a whole book. And he says, and with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, we're not going to explore those terms, we've already done so, who is one of you, and they will tell you everything that has taken place. So Onesimus is being sent, along with Tychicus, back to Colossae. Evidently, that is where uh, Onesimus was originally from. So I invite your Bible to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philemon. If you turn too quickly, like I did, you'll pass it right by. <laughs> Come on, here we go. First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Philemon is a fairly short book. It's uh Basically, a long letter, 25 verses. And uh, Philemon is the name of the book, but it's really the person that Paul is writing to. Philemon evidently lived in Colossae or someplace close by, because as Paul is sending Onesimus back there, he is sending uh, Tychicus and, and Onesimus back to the town and more specifically Onesimus to Philemon. And you go, well, whoop de doo so, so what? What's the point? You know what uh, Onesimus' name means? Useful. Useful. His name was useful. Which has got to be one of the big ironic statements in Scripture. Why? Because when we start to read Philemon, we discover something. Who is Onesimus to Philemon? Well, Philemon was a master, and Onesimus was one of his slaves. And as you read down through the account, I'm not going to take the time to look, read every portion here. But as we look down through the account, what do we find out from Paul? That Onesimus evidently had run away from 
his master, uh, Philemon, and had not only left as a slave, left uh, Philemon, but had actually stolen from him. And if, he, if Philemon was going to describe Onesimus, he would say, this guy is useless. Not useful. He's useless. He was my slave. He no longer works for me because he fled. But he also stole from me. And so I'm just going to write him off. He is not worth anything. So now when we come to the end of Colossae and Paul says, oh, I am sending, I'm sending uh, both Tychicus and Onesimus. I want you to know that he is one of you. You go, what? I thought we had heard the last of him. And evidently, if you read the account, what was going on is somehow uh, Onesimus had fled from Colossae and made his way to Rome. One of the reasons why they would flee to Rome is because that was the center of the empire. There was myriads of people there and you could blend in and disappear. And in the providence of God, what we read from the account is that the path of Paul and the path of Onesimus, they had crossed. And in the process of spending some time with Paul, Onesimus became a believer. Beautiful. Verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, speaking to Philemon, for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. I was in prison, but he became a child of mine, a child of faith, much like Timothy uh, was his young son in the faith. Here, Onesimus was converted by Paul. So what had happened was that his life had been turned around by his exposure to the gospel and apostle Paul. And now Paul is sending him back. Listen to what he says. I appeal to you, in verse 10, for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. And he says, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. He says, you want to know how useful he was? I wanted to keep him. He's been so helpful to me. He's been so useful to me. I wanted to keep him. However, he says, I would be glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, 
but of your own accord. In other words, I could say, hey, thank you, Philemon, for sending me your servant. But I know you didn't do that. I knew he ran away from you. I know he stole from you. But he's gotten saved. Now I can keep him. He would be useful to me. He says, but if I did, you would, your, fan, your hand would have been forced. You would have said, well, Paul has kept my servant now. And I didn't really agree to that. So he says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to send him back to you, even though he's of value to me. And then he says something here. In the providence of God, verse 8, 15. For this is perhaps why he was parted from you for a while, so that you might have him back forever. He says he went away as a useless slave who had stolen from you, and now he's coming back as a very useful servant of the Lord, and he's going to be useful to you. And not only that, he's your brother in the Lord for eternity. No longer as a bondservant, verse 16, but more, as a, uh, but more than a bondservant, a beloved brother, especially to me, and how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul throws in another little addition there. It's kind of interesting. He says, if he really owes you anything, put it to my account. And he goes, although I, I think you'd find it difficult to pay because I led you to the Lord too. You know, how are you going to repay that? But anyway, he says, charge it to my account. And we come to the third principle. The Lord may redeem any relationship. Now, I'm not going to take the time because we don't have the time. But if you want to go back and look at some of the messages I preached out of the book of Leviticus concerning the nature of slavery, you will see there was a principle at work here too. And that is, there was something that was going to destroy slavery in the Roman world. What was that? The abolishment of slavery? No. It's when a slave and his master both get right with the Lord and they no longer see themselves as master and slave, but as brothers. He says, that will destroy slavery. How are you going to treat your brother as either your master or your slave? Not going to happen. And so the whole issue of slavery would be challenged and changed as the Lord works in human hearts and lives. And I can say the Lord may redeem any relationship. I don't know about you, I am so encouraged by the account of Onesimus. I mean, here was somebody who by his very name was to be useful and he was useless. But God got a hold of his heart and changed him turned him around, made him brother in the Lord, and made him useful even to his old master. 
You don't say that God can work miracles in people's lives. There's a big one right there. So here we have two accounts, one of Tychicus, one of Onesimus, whose godly lives made them valuable to all those around them and to the Lord. May we have the same heart towards God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, a few names that are strange to us, and yet they are right, speaking right to our hearts. May we be of the, of the character and the class of Tychicus and Onesimus. May be said of us as well. We ask in Jesus' name. Thank you.